Resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. We need to be prepared for the future. I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? And make sure everyone's safety comes first. Save what for dream. You must ready. Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. Eventually, I know it's going to hit. It's only a matter of time. Helping your community. Helping your family. Helping you. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Hi, I'm Fred Hooper, and this is Pacific Prepared. It's a show all about natural disasters, climate change, and traditional knowledge, and how those things are all connected. And you'll hear that through stories from right across the Pacific. Each week, we work with local reporters. They're on the ground, letting us know what's happening in this space and what people want to hear about. On today's show, the teepee-style structures that were built on a beach in Fiji with a purpose in mind, and there's a lot of them. Also, schools in the Pacific, they can probably brag about having some of the best views in the world, but being so close to the coast also means the impacts of climate change are just that little bit closer. And making the most of the technology that we have and how your smartphones could help scientists research climate change. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared. We need to be prepared for the future. Helping you stay safe. We have built a seawall two times, but it did no good. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Think about a teepee or building a huge bonfire and what that might look like. Maybe it's large tree branches all gathered together and then standing up in that teepee style. There's a beach on the southwest coast of the main island of Fiji. The sand is quite dark, almost black looking. And the thing that really stands out in this picture are the teepee-style structures on the beach, going as far up the beach as you can see. This isn't an accident or someone making bonfires. It's actually a traditional method of trying to control shifting sand dunes. Pacific Prepared reporter and freelance journalist Josina Nunga has this story from Fiji. People may think that it's actually for bonfire. So what we do is uh, actually build them along those four dunes so when the, when the wind blows along the 45 degrees angle, the sand actually builds up on the beach TP and then the vegetation actually grow over it. The landscape of the Singatoka sand dunes is gradually changing as the impact of climate change becomes more severe. Being one of Fiji's heritage sites, the only national park has been experiencing more forest fires and villages nearby are losing out on resources needed for their everyday survival. Senior Ranger Iwereimi Rongwera says the park preserves some of Fiji's biodiversity from native plants to marine and land species, but in recent times all this has come under threat. So I've been working here since uh, 
since 2008. Uh, at the moment, I'm in a position of uh, as a senior ranger for the Singatoka Sandy National Park. Okay, so here at the Singatoka Sandy National Park, uh, as you may know, this is the first and only national park in Fiji. Okay, uh, and uh, we come under the National Trust of Fiji. So the National Trust of Fiji is, uh, I would say, it's a, it's a non-government organization, so like an NGO. And uh, so we are fortunate that we also assisted by the government in the, in the, in some ways. And uh, most of the uh, assistance given by the government, it actually goes on to the in running the park, eh? in management of the park, and. Uh, so, um, so here at the Sand Dunes, the, I mean, the main roles of uh, the National Trust of Fiji is, uh, is the protection of our cultural and natural heritage here in Fiji. So uh, here at the Sand Dunes, it's both the natural and cultural aspect. Eh? So the natural one is actually the dunes and uh, the vegetation, the plant species that are, that are here. And for the cultural aspects, actually the, the archaeological sites. So some of the pieces, uh, pottery pieces that you will see, those are under the cultural aspect of the, of the sand dunes. So uh, these are some of the areas that uh, we are protecting here at the sand dunes. And um, as you may walk up the track, you might come across this um, <clears throat> one of the dry beach forest uh, area that we're trying to protect here, the sand dunes. And uh, this dry beach forest, uh, as you may just want to brief more on the dry beach forest, this is one of the forests that, uh, that have been, uh, that's, that's missing along the coral coast. It's uh, sort of, it's been, uh, it's been destroyed. Eh? So, uh, so we are so fortunate to still have this uh, dry beach, portion of dry beach forest here at the same. So mainly the, tree, the type of trees that you see at this dry beach forest are, are actually native native trees. Eh? Uh, one example is we can say it's a false sandalwood, or which the Fijian name is Devua. And uh, those one some of the examples that are so the candle nut and uh, uh, the beach almond. So they also have a local name for those. Uh, so those are some of the trees that are found on this uh, at this uh, the dry beach forest. Eh? Uh, so these are some of the areas. So why is the sand is being being protected as a national park? So since it's the first nest, first national park, first and only national park in Fiji, and also uh, it's about, contains about six hundred and fifty acres of sand dunes. And uh, so we have those two types of sand dunes. We have the unstable and the stable dune system. Okay? So the big dunes. That's actually the unstable dunes. So when they say unstable dunes, it means it moves a lot. So, uh, and the formation of the sand dunes, it, um, it actually changes every day. Okay. So that's the reason why it says unstable dunes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it actually can, uh, you know, uh, swallow you. It's, it's just that because that's how we, the way it should be. It's cause it's ex- more exposed than the stable dune system. So the stable dune systems are mainly vegetation cover with uh, actually trees growing on top of the stable dune system. So, yeah, so those, that's, uh, those are the two uh, types of dune system that we have here, mm. yes, here at the Sanders. Right, interesting uh, explanation and what a journey uh, over the past uh, 10 
uh, plus he is uh, being engaged with his uh, uh, with his uh, non uh, non government organization. Eh? Uh, talk about the geographical makeup or the outlook of the area. Uh, you've been here uh, for over ten years. Uh, from your experience, just talk about the changes, eh? uh, the changes in the the geographical makeup or the landscape back then as compared to today. Uh, usually, before uh, the Sandins was covered, actually covered with uh, forest. Eh? It was covered with forest, and uh, when Lapita people came in, I mean. When when somebody comes to a place to live in, they actually clear the area and then you know they expose the, the the area. So here at the Tanjis, that's that's the same thing that happened here. Similar thing happened here. So when the Lapita people came in, the area was exposed. So they actually lived here, live at the sand dunes, and then on top of that, that's that's how the sand dunes got formed at the unstable dune. That's the reason the sandus got exposed because the people when they came in they actually live in the area they plant where they live and then mm. so the reason why they chose the unstable dune or at the long walk is because uh, the Lapita people li- actually they they love to live along along the shoreline because they can fish from the sea and then they can so the location where they live they actually chose is because they were also close to the river, which is the Singatoka River. Mm. And that's the main reason why they chose that location, because they can fish from the sea and then get their, get their, I mean, get their fresh water from the river. So the changes that occurs during that time is when they came in, you know, they cleared the area and then the area got exposed and that's how the sand use got formed. So the, so the sand use actually got formed I mean, uh, started uh, the formation of the sand dunes. St- actually, started from the river, and then from this longest river right to the river mouth. That's when the deposit actually started moving in with the help of the southeast trade winds, and then they actually built up at the at the at the base front, and then that's how the sand dunes get to form up till today. So the changes occurs when people started to move into the sand dunes, and then. Uh, yeah, so most of the vegetation that you see now, so most of it was actually, it, it, it was actually a forest before, and now it's more exposed. Uh, if you go up along the vegetated, vegetated area of the sand dunes, on the grassland area, it was actually covered by um, pandanus uh, or ovandra. In Fiji, and we usually call that. So the, those area was called actu- actually called Vivanda Vandra. So at the moment, you you'll hardly see Vandra on that on that portion on that grassland area, because uh, one of the issues that we're facing now is uh, is grass fires. So most of the grass fires actually come from the community, and then it's spread up to the to the sand dunes. Maloelele. You're listening to Pacific Prepared. At the moment, as we speak, the only vegetation that you'll see up there are mainly grassland. And then the only portion that's still left is the dry beach forest area, or we call that the Andriandrio forest. That's the only big forest that that's still left here at the Sandwich. So those are the changes uh, that have been happening uh, throughout the years. And even 
The, the, other, the other thing is actually local coming up to the sand dunes and then also do tree cutting at the sand dunes. And, you know, that's the other reason why most of the trees have also, you know, they also, they, we lost some of those trees because of tree cutting from the local, you know, they, some of them actually come in to collect those trees to use it for, uh, for posts, for poles of, uh, in, in their homes. So those are some of the things that are, I would say some of the changes eh, mm. that occurs over time from that time till now. And um, yes, for so along the beachfront, along the beachfront, some of the changes that you'll see, uh, even now the, there's a lot of erosion taking place along the beachfront. So, um, so the erosion, the eroded area that's been uh, happening now, it's actually along the beach. Okay, the, the other thing that also contribute to the eroded part of the, of the sand is, is because we have a, we actually have a six kilometer coastline open sea beachfront. So there's no reef in there. So that's the reason, you know, it's also contribute to the, to the increase in the eroded area of the sand dunes. So um, if you walk along the beachfront, you'll notice what I'm talking about. So most of the vegetated area has also been eroded and been washed down by the, by the strong current at the beachfront. So the team, uh, I've noticed the team have, uh, you know, put in hard yards uh, to ensure that uh, the original makeup of the, of the area is maintained. Just talk about the strategies or the methods uh, the team put together to counter uh, the issues uh, you've just mentioned. Thank you. Um, so we, we have a program uh, here at the park. It's sort of a long-term program for us, and it's an ongoing, ongoing program. Eh? Uh, one of them is a, a reforestation program. So this is, has been a, a park program for every, uh, like it's an early program eh? for, for, the, for the Sand Dunes National Park. So what happened is uh, even if there's no groups coming into the park, we, have, we actually uh, have a program like for to invite people to come in and then we get them to do a tree planting on areas that we feel that needs to be reforestated so this that's one of the one that's one and the other other one that uh this is actually making it's actually building a beach tp along the beach front so the reason why we build beach tp along the beach front is uh we, we have noticed that uh, we have the big dunes and we have the small sand dunes, which is actually located along the beachfront. So we call that the four dune. So what actually happened is uh, by protecting those four dunes from being eroded away by the waves, we actually built beach teepees structure along the beach. So may, people may think that it's actually for bonfire. So what we do is uh, we actually build them along those four dunes so when the when the wind blows along the 45 degrees angle, the sand actually builds up on the beach TP, and then the vegetation actually grow over it. So um, that's you know this unnatural way of building, a, I would say a seawall, a natural seawall at the at, here at the sand dunes. So what we do is we just instead of a seawall, we we build beach TP. So that's the that's the other reason why we are we want to make sure that. Most of those four dunes are not being eroded away, so uh, it's been working. So we we want to make sure we maintain that, and then to increase uh, those methods here at the sand dunes. So yes, and that's the other reason. And 
the main one would be the tree planting activity, which we actually try to increase in it uh, every year. So those are the those are the tools that yes. Sort of like a nature-based uh, solution. Yes. Eh? Yes. Right. Uh, this question just uh, popped out of my mind, uh, but need to. Uh, you know, be on alert if there's a, a, a disaster, especially a tsunami uh, or um, other sort of disasters that uh, we normally experience here in the Western Division. Uh, talk about the disaster preparedness plan uh, put together by the team. Thank you. Uh, well, here at the here at the office, we actually have our our disaster um, evacuation it's a evacuation plan. Eh? We, we we also have our evacuation plan here, and uh, we also have an area when when things happen, when disaster happens, we have an area which we actually go and you know and wait um, here here at the here at the office, and uh, the, the I mean the the good thing about about the sand dune is we actually have the big dunes which actually protected uh, mm. the community living close. Close to the sand dunes, so uh, so you can imagine if there was no sand dunes here and there was a, a tidal waves, so uh, the community living close to the sand dunes are lucky to have the sand dunes in front of them. So uh, that's one of the advantage of having the sand dunes here in trying to protect protect them from the local. Mm. Um, I mean, one one good example is uh, during cyclone cyclone Winston that happened in 2016. Right. Um, the number of be- fruit birds here at the sand dunes was less. Mm. So during uh, after that cyclone Winston, the number of birds actually uh, goes up. So it actually increased from a hundred to more than a thousands now because uh, because the sand dunes was not affected during cyclone Winston. Mm. So we can say that birds are good biological indicators. So they actually choose the sand dunes to come and rest, or it was like a safe haven for them. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why they chose the sand dunes and not other parts of the of Fiji. Right. So the sand dunes was actually safe during was not affected during mm-hmm. uh, cyclone winds. Then, right. so this that's one example, mm-hmm. you know, of a safe area f- for the birds, as, especially a fruit bed. Mm-hmm. So the numbers just went up all of a sudden, and now it's more than a thousands of birds here at the here at the sand dunes. And that was Iberemi Rongwira, Senior Ranger at the Singatoka Sandhills. I am Josiah Nunga, reporting from Fiji. Thanks to our Pacific Prepared reporter and freelance journalist, Josiah Nunga, for that story. My name's Fred Hooper, and you're listening to Pacific Prepared. I'm just holding on for dear life here. For women, it's always safety first. They are the first responder. You're listening to Pacific Prepared. A lot of schools in the Pacific have the most incredible locations for young people to sit and learn. Often the classrooms are quite open, and through the glass louvers, over the windows, which are generally open, there's palm trees and bright blue ocean. And I know this sounds great, but sometimes being that close to the ocean isn't always the best thing. In fact, some classrooms are getting closer to the water, or you could say the water is getting closer to the classroom. Avea Island is about 320 kilometres east of Fiji's main island, and they've had to relocate the entire school because it was flooded by rising sea levels. Fijian Broadcasting Corporation's Sanyani Boiler 
has this story. It is a 30-minute boat ride from Mavana village to Avea Island, and the impacts of climate change are quite visible even before getting there. Village Turanikoro Etuate Umu says the village has more than 20 houses, and they will continue to do whatever it takes to help protect their homes from the climate crisis. We used to have a seawall, and you can see that it has been broken down by the rising tides. You will not feel the impacts now because we currently have winds from the south. If it's uh, easterly winds, the waves can break through the foundation of the houses on our coastal frontage. Umu says they have relocated the school in the last few years to keep their children safe. We had no other options but to do it to help our children. While visiting Avea Island, Minister for Agriculture and Waterways, Vatimi Rayalu, says they're willing to help build a seawall to help protect the village. This is one of the priority areas in Laos in terms of climate change mitigation, and we will work on getting a new seawall for the village. The other remains of the Avea Primary School, which was fully destroyed by the rising tides due to the climate crisis here on Avea Island. It has been relocated to higher ground and only hope by villagers here is to relocate the full village now rather than later. Thanks to Pacific Prepared Reporter and Fijian Broadcasting Corporation journalist Sanyani Boiler for that story. Disaster is part of our life and recovering is also part of our life. As you see, they're smiling despite the devastation. That's how we are. You are listening to Pacific Prepared. Right now, you might have access to something that's so useful when it comes to research. And it's probably just in your pocket. Smartphones have changed a lot of things, but especially when it comes to information and the ability to record information into those tiny devices. And sometimes that information can be really helpful or useful. Let's say if you're in a remote part of the Pacific, in a small village, and you can see how far the ocean levels have risen over the years. You can take your phone out, take a photo, and send it off. That photo could help to build a better picture for researchers around the world working on climate change. The Tongan government recently teamed up with a large electronics company to see if they can improve this information collection, and especially when it comes to young people. Anasiu Falakono from the Tongan Broadcasting Commission has this story. A new project has been implemented in Tonga with the aim to empower students to know more about climate change and plastic pollution. The education CEO Eskeliogo says the program is important for Tonga and for students to know more on ways to be resilient to the impacts of climate change and plastic pollution by using modern devices. This year, students focusing on developing challenges surrounding the impacts of climate change and that of cellular economy plus pollution, improving national and community resilience to the damage and disruption of well-being and the development of progress for climate change impacts and natural hazards, including extreme weather and ocean events, will require an all-society approach. Innovative thinking around these challenges will be crucial as these Times of extreme climate events increases. I am very pleased with the United Nations Development Program 
The project is a five-year program with seven secondary schools piloting the program. The social small program will provide a platform where Thomas students can showcase their content, create, create potential, guided by the support selected methods. The social small program will also provide same such devices which students can utilize for their solution. Deciding, incorporating the digital element into the program and to ensure that our students develop appreciation of the potential digital tech test in addressing community development challenges in the digital divide. The Social Tomorrow program will focus on strengthening capacities of secondary school students and teachers in the areas of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, instead, by encouraging increased interest and participation of students in STEM fields, and will empower them to participate in deciding innovative and creative solutions to help address challenges faced in their local communities. The project will also foster community awareness and present development challenges faced by local communities and instill a sense of social responsibility and civic pride in our youth. School students will one day become the future leaders of our nation. Tonga is the first country in the Pacific to implement such project. Thanks to our Pacific Prepared reporter, and Tonga Broadcasting Commission journalist Anasiu Falakano for that story from Tonga. What's your plan? Are you ready to leave your home? Plan now before disaster strikes. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared is supported with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, National Broadcasting Corporation of Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Fijian Broadcasting Corporation, Samoa National Radio 2AP, Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation and Tonga Broadcasting Commission. If you're working on something that's directly related to this program, let us know because we'd love to tell everyone about it. Maybe you've got a story idea, a personal experience to share, a topic to cover or someone that you think we should meet. 
the easiest way to get in touch is to search for Pacific Prepared and then scroll down to the Connect with Pacific Prepared section. Part of the aim of this program is to start conversations about natural disasters, climate change and how traditional knowledge links them all together. My name is Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared. <laughs>